0: Hi, this is presenter Crystal DiNapoli, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R each Sunday afternoon. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU. I guess as always, prior to starting *Indigenuity*, I would like to take the chance to acknowledge that Triple R is broadcasting out from the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and their ancestors, and to everyone um, who uh, I know has had a pretty pretty tough week and has gathered um, on this past Thursday um, in protest of or in support of Invasion Day, essentially. So um, I'd like to uh, a- yeah, acknowledge their continued connection to these beautiful skies and waters and lands and acknowledge that uh, this land was never ceded. So just last week, Indigenous Year 11 and 12 students from metropolitan, regional and remote Australia uh, got to attend the National Indigenous Business Summer Schools in Melbourne and Perth to experience university life with teaching, support and inspiration from Indigenous mentors, business leaders and academics. Developing entrepreneurial mindsets and building sustainable indigenous businesses are key to empowering First Nations peoples. However, currently only 1.2% of all management and commerce students are indigenous, when Indigenous peoples make up 3.8% of the Australian population. Um, so these business schools are in an effort to sort of address this. And today we're going to be able to have a chat with Wurundjeri Mann and coordinator for the National Indigenous Business Summer School, Dale Wondon. Dale, welcome back to Indigenuity. <laughs>
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me again. It's it's a pleasure to be on the show again.
0: No, I'm I'm so glad to have you here. I really enjoyed speaking to you last week and I'm very uh, remorseful, I guess, of the fact that our listeners didn't get to experience that interview. So I'm very glad that you've come back on and that we get to have a chat about these really cool programs.
1: Yeah, no problem at all.
0: So um, I was wondering if you could start off with, I guess, like a basic introduction to what are these National Indigenous Business Summer Schools?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, National Indigenous Business Summer School, so basically it's been run, uh, at least the Melbourne one, it was run in conjunction with uh, the Australian Business Deans Council, uh, Unimelb and Swinburne, RMIT and Monash University this year. We generally alternate uh, between ourselves and New South Wales, but annually uh, WA tends to do it as well. So uh, every year we do have a summer school happening, We did have one happen in winter of last year because Queensland ran theirs for the first time, but due to uh, the weather events in the summer, they had to move it over to the winter. So the summer school became a winter school. But what it basically is, is to try and get uh, people university ready. So they'll get a bit of a taste of what uni life can be. Uh, Also try and open their eyes and broaden their horizons a little bit in terms of uh, what business could offer them if they were to venture down that pathway. So uh, some of the students that we had on this year were were curious about what um, the Bachelor of Commerce might be able to offer them in terms of uh, pathways moving forward outside of university. So um, I think that we kind of achieved that too when when speaking with some of the kids and some of the program, some of the things we had within the program, uh, kind of made made the possibilities a bit more obtainable for them. So it was it was a good experience, I feel.
0: Yeah, and and so you just had. Um... Uh, a recent running of the... I I was going to say NIBS. I don't know if I'm too... um, I'm getting way too familiar or whatever with the program to start giving it a little acronym. But um, with the Business Summer Schools, um, you had one that just ran in Melbourne last week. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about what the... I guess like what would that week look like for students?
1: Yeah. Uh, You wouldn't be the first person to call it NIBS. So, that's basically what everyone knows it as is NIBS and the website's even NIBS. So, it's NIBS.com.au. So, Um, It's the easiest way of of remembering it. So some of the things that we had going on over the past week, so we had a couple of people over at PwC um, come and speak with some of the kids on the Tuesday, um, sorry, on the Monday. And then on the Tuesday, we went out and did a few things with um, RMIT and we actually had Tani from uh, Gavin Threads come and speak with the kids and do a couple of uh, T-shirt making workshops and and just sat down and had a yarn with a lot of the kids and, and explained to them you know, how, how she went along her business. And then on Wednesday, we went over to Tennis Australia during the Australian Open and we sat down with Arnie Yvonne Gulligong and, and her husband, Richard Richard a Sorry, Roger calling my, my bad. But, um, yeah, it was all those sort of conversations were little bricks that you could sort of instill into the kids' um, sort of psyche for later on down the track. And one of the things that I said to them at the dinner on the Thursday, so we had a celebration dinner um, to thank them for their efforts. And one of the things that I mentioned to them is that some of these things that they may have experienced over the course of the week may not necessarily make sense right now, but later on down the track, you'll remember certain points, and you'll be able to pinpoint where you were during some of these conversations. And hopefully, Nibs has been able to create, you know, a, a little bit more for them that they may not have had prior uh, to coming onto the summer school, but. Um, you know it was it was a a filled week uh we basically so i had my dad come out and do a welcome and a smoking ceremony and then uh from from there it was just all systems go so we we moved around a lot it was it was busy but it was a good busy
0: it sounds like an amazing busy to be honest um you have a week mixed up with uh i guess like a lot of learning but also a lot of fun um what do you think was – I? because, like, you've exposed them to just wonderful role models, having Tani from Gammon Threads, that's incredible, Auntie Yvonne Gulagong, like, that's just amazing. Um, and you said, like, a lot of these things you're expecting, you know, those conversations that they had may not have the direct impact now, but it's something that you would see in the long term. How, how important was it for you to have these types of role models included in that week?
1: I think it's very important because, I mean, speaking from my own experience – uh, university didn't really feel obtainable uh, as, a, as a young Indigenous child, basically. So uh, growing up, you see a lot of these institutions and the buildings and you just like, they seem so far away, but they're, they're really not. They're not that far away at all. And I think when you hear from a lot of influential people, not only within uh, academia, but within like various parts of like black culture. So like, you know, Vaughn, she's come from sports and then turned it all around and like just sort of used her use her influence to then create a foundation and you know she's used that in order to build another business on top of that which I think it's a good demonstration that um, things are definitely changing within those spaces and anything that you really want to you know, set your mind to, you can really pursue that. It's it's an obtainable thing now.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Especially like, I guess that focus on, because those, uh, these business summer schools, I guess, are essentially acting as that like taste or, or transition from high school life into what a, possibly a career could look like. Um, I- well, assume um, I know we've had this sort of conversation before which is sort of weird because like I have like the spoilers of an interview I look I'm, I'm you know i'm I'm an informal broadcaster um but uh, I know that we d- have discussed a bit about like that impact of being you know first in your family first to um, uh, be sort of stepping away from from family community um you know from country to be able to pursue these types of careers and that is a Massive leap. Um, how do you, I guess, like keep that sort of thought in mind and incorporate that or address that through these programs, trying to make that transition as smooth as possible?
1: So one of the things that we do have is we have a, a counselor that's on board twenty four seven and available to all the students while they're while they're away from home. So you know, if there's any any time where the students may feel a bit out of it or feel a bit homesick, we do have those services on hand. We also got a range of mentors from uh, this year. We had some from various different disciplines. So it wasn't just a a business-based sort of uh, mentorship. We had others that were doing a range of different disciplines within university. So you could sort of like pull from various different um, experiences, which I, I feel really worked with some of the students. But You know, we make sure first and foremost that their safety and well being is at hand. And truth be told, um, my position outside of coordinating NIBS is a similar sort of nature within the university under the Faculty of Business and Economics, where, you know, not all students are going to be from NAM. So a lot of students are coming from various different states, various different cities. So it's it's very easy to walk into some of these places and feel lost, and then it it can it can swallow you if you're not careful. So, um, my position first and foremost is to make sure that the the well being of the students that come through not only in this program but through uh, our faculty is is paramount. So we we make sure that we look after them and we communicate that with the not only the students but with the parents. And I feel as though that. You know this this one in particular has been our best one, and I feel we can definitely grow from that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and it's it's I don't know it, it makes me very glad to hear a lot about your personal role as well with the university in the way that it's quite similar in helping students with that transition but also helping retain students because I know that is something that can be quite difficult for us, like a lot of us mob, going to a very colonial sort of institution to study. Like there's so many different ways in which it can be very intimidating and um, difficult and um, so it's good to know that there's that type of support to continue when students actually do enrol into these bachelors. And that that sort of makes me think again about – those statistics that like I read out at the start how only 1.2 percent of the cohort um, for commerce and business students are indigenous or indigenous identifying when we comprise 3.8 percent of the Australian population. what do you make of this gap is this and how are there ways that we can I guess address it?
1: Yes and this is this is something that we we look at regularly um, and we need to keep looking at it. Obviously, it needs to be looked at more. But one of the the things that I addressed when we were developing this year's uh, program was that uh, maybe some of the students aren't aware of some of the prerequisites that they need to do prior to going into university. So uh, especially in terms of something like business where you need a maths prerequisite. So you really want to get into the schools. Uh, when when they're at a younger age, so whether it be year 8 or year 9, when they start to sort of learn about the other aspects outside of school because by the time you're in year 10, year 11, like year 11 and year 12, you kind of already selected a lot of the subjects and uh, your pathway is kind of predetermined at least in the short term and sometimes it can take a little bit more work to get where you're wanting to go. So I think um, addressing this for future programs, we may even look at um, broadening uh, the the age bracket there and and I'll definitely push forward that, you know, we speak to a few more Year 9, Year 10 students just so then we can give them the heads up, hey, this is the prerequisite that you need. So because um, I know, again, from, from my own experience is that when you are going in one direction and then you find out that there's a roadblock, Sometimes it's very easy to just sort of go. Well, I'm just going to take a different pathway because this one I feel like I've gone so deep into this one, and I feel like I'm I'm set up for failure now, or like I've got to I've got to rewind the clock a couple of years back. And and some people feel as though they don't have the time to do that. So you know, sometimes that can you know leave a sour taste in people's mouths, knowing that you know that they've got to do even more work to get where they need to be. So if we address that a little bit earlier, we may be able to sort of get a bit more people involved, especially in our sector.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um I think yeah, um, expanding the age brackets really important. It makes so much sense, especially with the types of pressures that are put on students, you know, year nine and earlier to start making those hard decisions about what they might want to do as an adult, which, you know, most most adults aren't even sure when they turn 18. So um, I think, uh, yeah, what you've said is very sensible and um, very exciting. It's nice to get a bit of insight into, um, I guess, like a different area of academia or, like, study. Um so how, how accessible are these programs? If, for example, like if any student was listening to this today, um, you know, how could they be on the lookout for the programs running next summer um, or potentially next winter? I don't know if you have anything organized Um, and are there any like costs involved and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, good question. So the, the easiest way of uh, locating w- what we are uh, is from the previous website that we've just finish the last program on, which is nibs.com.au. So that's N-I-B-B-S dot dot And it'll have a range of the questions in the frequently asked questions. It'll also have an email on where you can contact. I'm the contact person for that. This is at least for the Melbourne uh, National Indigenous Business Summer School. Having said that, um, we can always pass on that information uh, to to the other areas because, as I said, it does alternate. Uh, within within states um, another thing is in terms of costs we pay for the flights we pay for the food and the accommodation while the students are down here the only thing that the students really need to pay for is if they need spending money to you know if there's anything that they've forgotten um, that they need to go down the shop or get or you know with this program we gave them uh, half a day to sort of you know, see the sights of Melbourne and go out with the mentors and do a bit of shopping. So, if they wanted to you know, go out and buy some clothes or have a coffee or something like that, um, out in Melbourne, they're they're more than welcome to do that. So, but otherwise, everything's paid for.
0: That's incredible. Uh, that's I, it makes me so excited that there are programs available like this because I know it can be very insightful especially at those uh, those high school ages when you, you have all those questions, you're thinking about the future and to be able to have a taste like this and to get that insight not just about um, even business as an opportunity to study but also just you know what university is like if it's something that um, you might want to pursue. So I really am um, really grateful for your work, Dale, and thank you so much for coming back on to Indigenuity as well to have this chat with me. Um, I wish you all the best with the, uh, the, the schools next year. <laughs>
1: same to you and I hope to speak to you all again
0: yeah looking forward to it thanks Dale So we've been just chatting with Dal Wandon, who is the coordinator of the National Indigenous Business Summer Schools. Um, If you're just tuning on now, um, you can actually go back after the show and have a listen to our interview going to rrr.org.au, looking up Indigenuity and you can see any of our past interviews as well as the fact that Indigenuity is now a podcast. So you can also find our episodes anywhere where you find podcasts, which is excellent. So... um, You know, this show is airing a few days after Invasion Day and I feel like I would like to acknowledge just a few things about this time of year and the way it makes me feel and the things that we're thinking about um, before, you know, everyone starts to sort of forget. For one, I just really, really, really want to give a very sincere thank you to um, Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance War for putting on just... Once again, just an incredible day. Um, I can't even, you know, it's it's an experience that's really hard to put into words. Um, This time of year is so heavy and yet in these gatherings, um, you know, gathering at the foot of Parliament House um, to listen to just so many aunties and uncles and incredible speakers um, share their perspectives, you know, there's that bit of inspiration and hope within the dark. Um, and they've just done so incredibly this year. And I've heard so many things that have really stuck with me. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I feel that are said that I feel like are very empowering, a lot of things that are rightfully angry and hurt. And it's just, it's incredible and heavy. I don't know how else to phrase it, but um, it really is. Uh, I'm really grateful for um, everyone who puts in the effort to have a day that's organized that keeps us so safe throughout something as intense as that, such a massive gathering of people that keeps us so staunch in the message. Um, yeah, I just, um, I'm so grateful. And in particular, Ronnie Gorry, um, incredible, uh, I guess you could say MC of the protest. Um, just hearing um, directly from Ronnie, uh, I don't know, I'm probably speaking like now much too much like a a third party fan of, of hers, but um, to have lived such an incredible life and to be able to speak from that position um I'm I know that's a something I should be very grateful for to be able to hear um yeah so there was just a, a lot of people who clearly put a lot of heart and soul and love and pain into um the invasion day uh march and I just am once again so grateful for the the emotional physical labor that goes into something like that um so grateful for everyone involved so then an- another thing I sort of want to address because there are a few things that were said that I thought were incredible, and I won't be able to recount them all. Um, uh, But, you know, I think one of like a really powerful moment came from, I think, Ronnie speaking directly to allies. Actually, sorry if I've got the speaker wrong, my, you know, my little post-COVID brain here, but um, there were a lot of incredible speakers. And um, one of them was talking about, you know, a lot of the people who uh, cause a lot of harm in the Australian population. Uh, Those people don't really exist amongst Our communities. They are unfortunately often in the communities or in the circles of allies, though. And so the call was put on to go home after these days, to not forget about these days, not just to participate in a march or share out a hashtag, but to go home and to have those uncomfortable conversations in challenging those people in your circles who aren't educated on the true history of this day, of our people, of the pain. And also the history of Australia Day, like not, you know, something that is so, um, so recent. It feels like a farce. I feel like, uh, I feel like if people understood um, the history of the date, you know, I feel like that would be something that could probably see, uh, see a bit of clarity to the minds of people who might be on the fence or might be a bit confused as to why today or well, January 26th is so full of pain. Um, I also think it's really interesting to start thinking about not just this, because I've I've really grown up with this message of change the date, right? So just sort of pushing along Australia Day to a different day, um, and that will solve things. But I found it really interesting recently reading from a lot of Indigenous voices, listening to a lot of Indigenous voices, about how changing the date really possibly just sort of um, I guess sort of like hides the problem and also sort of shifts away or pushes um, to sort of into the future conversations that really should be having having had now or having had two hundred and twenty plus years ago. Um, the abolish the date sort of movement, I I'm sh- I can't speak fully for. I can only say the small things that I've learnt and why I am now skewed towards that point of view. But it's just Australia in general has been founded upon. Um, so like on a complete fiction, right, on this this myth of terra nullius, I can't see how the Australian people can come together and to celebrate a day that apparently unifies us all and something that we can be proud of when there are so many wrongs that haven't been righted. And to call them wrongs is like really sugarcoating just how bloody and difficult and painful our histories are. You know, and one of the very first wrongs that hasn't been righted is the fact that this country was invaded, that this country was allegedly colonised on, fic- on a fiction, on a myth of terra nullius, which is obviously not true. Um, we're still here. Um, and so I'd also argue that the majority of Australia likely has no idea of the true extent of our history and also the, the ingenuity of our cultures, but also just the brutality of what has occurred over the last couple hundreds of years. I I feel like most people in Australia can't know because I know that I am so lucky to be surrounded by mob and to be hearing from uncles and aunties telling me their experiences or their family's experiences and I'm constantly learning so much. So I know that there's no way that the whole population understands the true history here and I feel like until that's addressed, until, um, you know, there is land back, there is justice, our sovereignty is recognised, rent is paid, I feel like... um, pushing Australia Day to a different day, it's still not going to be a unifying day. It's still probably going to carry a lot of this heaviness. And so I think it's um, just, you know, I'm stating it here now just in case it's the first time that you've probably heard about this idea to maybe familiarise yourself with the different arguments surrounding January 26th, um, talking about changing the date, talking about abolishing the date. Um, Educate yourself, see what makes sense to you um, and hopefully educate maybe those people in your circles who – really might just be completely lost and have no clue and that's also leading to my final point is just as well as keep having these conversations this is such a tough time of year for mob and i've seen the impact it's had once again this year as always you know this is this is a time of year where we have to deal with so much crap and harassment, and having to see something that causes us a lot of pain just being sort of like debated for fun by politicians in the media, by trolls on Facebook or whatever other social media. This is a very difficult time of year. And then we tend to just stop having these conversations. And then all of a sudden, January rolls back around again, and then we have to go through this again. So my urge to you would be to keep having these conversations. This isn't something that we can just revisit the weeks before this is about to happen and we have to go through it all again. This is something that we need to... um, keep in the forefront of our minds throughout the year Um, and honestly like I was blown away by how many the the numbers I saw um, at the marches this week and um, the um, allies who have been quite vocal as well It, it does start to give me a bit more hope than I've had in previous years and so I just really urge you to keep having those conversations if you can and hope that maybe even there is change before we have to go through this again in 2024 so yeah not a not a fun conversation but it's not a fun time of year so I think it's important to have said these things. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R every Sunday afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU.